Good morning, church. And once again, my name is Tadwanase Sirimani Sirimani. There is no typo on the screen. My second name is also my surname. That's just how it is. And I see there, wait, can we have a backup again? AKA Priska's son. Cool. I am Priska's son. That is my mom. So, so I'm so, so excited to be bringing the last installment of this incredible series, Mixed Motives, and I'm so, so excited for what we're going to share, what I'm going to share with you this morning. And like, I'm, I must say, this series has been so, so wonderful. Like Uncle Jason starting us off with generosity, and then Tammy preaching about fasting, and Tyrone on money, and then Racer who preached a phenomenal message last week on worry. Like, if you missed any of the, of the installments, I really, really encourage you to jump on to the YouTube page at View Church Milton and tune in because every single message was life-giving. So this morning, if I do drop the ball, or you can pick it up straight off the service with Uncle Jason, because once again, we don't want to be here, but we're here. So before I jump in, I'd love for us to pray. Father God, I just want to thank you for this opportunity. Father God, I pray, God, that every word that I say today is your word, Father God. I pray, God, that you may just use me as your vessel, Father God. And I pray that the hearts are open this morning to receive your word, Father God. We just want to thank you in the mighty name of Jesus, and we pray, amen. First, first service, I said awesome instead of amen. So I just need to make sure <laughs> I know I'm right. So at the end of the service, we're going to be speaking about judging. And I must say, this is probably the lightest topic to end off a sermon series, wouldn't you say? The lightest way. And once again, Uncle Jason wasn't lying when he said, I used every single excuse in the book. I, made, I tried everything, and I'm here, so it certainly didn't work. So I need to make up new excuses, better excuses, for when I do this in the future. So the reason why I was trying to avoid this word, because judging is just a word we avoid. Like, it's just got such a negative connotation, the word judging, judgment. Everyone avoids this. It's become such a taboo in our world. So hopefully, we can change our perspective today just the same way my perspective has been changed while delving into this topic, whilst going into the message and actually researching. So we're going to go straight to our first scripture, our main patch of scripture today, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 to 2. It says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you'll be treated as you treat others. The standard used in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. First foremost, what does judge, judging or judge mean? You see, judging means to analyze or evaluate a scenario or situation. Or it can mean to, to, provide, to refer to a private, judgment, private judgmental attitudes that tear down others in order to build oneself. So the moment we see this verse, do not judge others, we assume the Bible is, the Bible is totally against judging, like judging is a massive taboo. But you see, the Bible isn't saying this, it's just saying that we have to be careful not to condemn people when we do. And I love how the Amplified Virgin rounds this up, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Do not judge others and criticize and condemn others unfairly with an attitude of self-righteous superiority as though assuming the office of a judge, so that you will not be judged unfairly. I feel like that just wraps it up pretty nicely. See, judgment that is, critically, that is critical is completely different from judgment with love. But the thing is, we still have to be able to judge. Judging has to take place. And I love Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 to 20. It says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruits, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down 
and thrown in the fire. Listen carefully now. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. See, this verse is telling us to watch out for false prophets. And the only way we're able to watch out for them is being able to identify their fruits. And how we identify that, that is by analyzing and evaluating their fruits, which is simply judging. We have to be able to judge. Because if, if, if we're unable to judge, we won't be able to see these false prophets. We won't, be able, we won't be able to see whether what they're saying is actually true, whether it's actually the word of God. And then Matthew chapter 7 verse 2, we're going to go into Matthew chapter 7 verse 2. For you'll be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you'll be judged. See, this verse touches upon a very, very important principle, and that's the principle of you reap what you sow. So this term just merely means sowing means planting, and then reaping is harvesting. So a farmer will sow tomato seeds, and then after 60 to 100 days, they'll reap tomatoes. So a farmer can't sow tomato seeds, and then expect to reap Brussels sprouts. Don't know why I use Brussels sprouts. Apparently, it's a very disgusting vegetable, very terrible. But you see, that can't happen. Whatever you sow, you will reap. That's just how it is. It's the same thing with saying, you will be treated as you treat others. How you judge someone, that's the same way you'll be judged. You can't expect to judge someone harshly and expect to be judged fairly and with love. This, this law, this, this is actually a law, the reap what you sow. In fact, it's a constant. Just in physics, you get like the G, which is 9,8 meters per second, and then you get C, which is the speed of light, which is like 3 times 10 to the power of negative 8. You can fact check me on that. I think it's right. I think I'm right. But like, it's an actual law. You reap what you sow. I love Galatians 6 verse 7. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. A man will reap what he sows. But there's sometimes where we forget it because reaping what you're sowing is not just negative. There's also a positive side of reaping and sowing. Like if we judge with love and not a condemning attitude, when we're judged, we'll be, love, we'll be judged with love. If we forgive, we'll be forgiven. If we're righteous in our judgment, when we're judged, we'll be rightly judged. On that note, I'm going to tell you guys a story about how my mom and dad met, and how ultimately I'm standing here before you. <laughs> so my dad, actually I'm going to say my old man, and I call him my old man because my sisters call him dad, and I wanted something that was unique to me. So I call him my old man. So my old man, back in the day, he was an amazing lad, good lad. He used to stay next to my mom. And at this point, my mom was doing like a little side hustle where she was selling donuts. So on this, day, my, on this day, my dad, my old man, came outside like normal, walked out the house, and then he happened to catch a glimpse of my mom. And I won't lie to you, it was, you know that movie scene where it's like love at first sight? It was literally exactly like that. He was smitten. The man was gone. He was in love. Like I'll tell you how much, how in love he actually was. So once again, I say my mom was doing a side business where she was selling donuts. So every single day, Without fail, my dad would buy a donut. My old man would buy a donut. But you see, the issue came, he couldn't eat donuts. Like, he couldn't digest the donuts. Like, they would come out straight away. But every day, he would buy a donut, so he'd have the opportunity or the chance to speak to my mom. And I must say, this eventually succeeded. They started dating. And because my dad is quick, he was like, you know what? We're ready to get married, man. Let's get married. 
And this was when the problems began because everybody was against this. His family was against this. My mom's own sisters were against this. But shame, there is a reason. There's a very big reason. You see, my mom had quite the notorious reputation. My mom was known as the neighborhood thug. I, I, did, I, did, I did get permission, so when I go home, I'm not going to be kicked out the house. But, like, my mom was the neighborhood thug. Like, you couldn't look at her wrong. Like, if you looked at her in the wrong way, it didn't matter if you were a man or if you were a woman, if you were a child, hey, you had to start running immediately. Like, even till this day, my mom can go back to Zin, to that, to that area, and people will still be very worried about her, very careful around her. But luckily, she's saved now. She's with the Lord, so that's gone now. Amen, hallelujah. <laughs> and despite this, my old man was like, you know what, this is the woman I'm going to marry. This is the woman I'm go- that I've judged that is fair for me, that is right for me. And I believe, honestly, that was where discernment took place. And discernment runs very closely with judgment because, you see, discernment is the ability to see through and make a right decision. And I believe this was a massive key because despite what people were saying, because people were very much against it. Like my mother's own sisters were very scared that she would, my dad, man, <laughs> like very, very scared. But he was like, no, this is the woman that's right for me. And I honestly believe that he has reaped from that decision that he made. He's got three lovely daughters and then an amazing, an amazing, an amazing son. <laughs> And then he's got a lovely wife who he adores to bits. And on the 16th of December, I hope I got that date right. On the 16th of December, they'll be celebrating 22 years of marriage. So, so amazing. And on that, the families did end up apologizing. So that decision seemed really, really perfect. And once again, on, on that note, I don't want to ever discourage from counsel because sometimes it's very, very important for people who can actually help you in coming up with a decision because they can give you insight into a decision, give you advice on a decision. But ultimately, we still have to sit down with God and ask God to help us discern, to see through and make the right decision. So once again, judging has to take place, but it can never be in a judgmental attitude because once again, the world already sees us as judgmental people. We don't want to add to that. And have you ever... Like, have you ever noticed that the moment we open up our mouths on certain topics, like the whole world just shuts us down immediately? Like, everyone just comes gunning at us? And, like, that's so, so sad, unfortunately, but it is the reality of it. Like, I've been on social media so many times. I'm I'm always on social media, TikTok, Instagram, whatever. And, like, you see a fellow Christian, like, pointing out things to help the person, but then the moment the whole world seems to unite to crush that person down. But see, there's something big that the world fails to realize and that there's a massive difference between disagreeing and condemning. That just because we disagree does not mean we're condemning anyone. Just because we disagree does not mean we're condemning anyone. (laughs) See, there are a lot of things we Christians can never agree with the world, unfortunately. There are some things. There are clear right and wrongs. But unfortunately, there are some that go out condemning people, and that's not the message of Jesus. Even Jesus himself did not condemn. John 3, verse 17, but before I go to John 3, verse 17, John 3, verse 16, everyone knows that one? For God so, that he, his one and only son, 
You know, it was good. It was close. It was close. It was close. So John 3 verse 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And then John 8 verse 1 to 11, I'm just going to paraphrase. This is when the, the Pharisee had caught a woman in adultery, and they dragged her to Jesus, trying to trap Jesus. I don't know why they kept on trying, because they failed every single time. But they tried to trap him, and they're like, Jesus, this person has sinned, and by the law of Moses, we have to stone him. And Jesus was like, fine, if you have not sinned, throw the first stone. Obviously, they dropped it because everybody's a sinner, yeah. but him who actually didn't sin, didn't throw the stone. And then he said to the lady, go and sin no more. See, if Jesus, the one who could actually condemn, didn't, who are we to condemn? Condemning is not our place. But if we believe that something is wrong, that is not condemning. For example, greed. And that might look like I have to become successful by any means necessary. Or for the younger generation, that's chasing the bag. I love that. Thank you. There are young people this service. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being successful. There were many, many successful people in the Bible. There was Joseph. He was like second in command of Egypt at one point. There was Moses. And there was Job, Moses, Moses, yo, Moses, yo. <laughs> there was Moses, and there was Job, and then one of the richest men to have ever lived, King Solomon. Like, God isn't opposed to, to success. It's the, the problem or the disagreement comes where success is the only thing in our hearts, where we're willing to exploit people, willing to backstab people, willing to abuse people in order to achieve this success. And that becomes an issue because now you've replaced who's meant to be in, in the middle. You've replaced who's meant to be the center of your heart. And that's where the problem is. Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 to 5. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Now we look at this and Jesus is telling us what not to do with judging. How we are hypocrites. I've always wanted to say that out loud. So it's very, always wanted to. How we are hypocrites if we go around pointing out people's sins when we have a bucket load of sins we haven't sort, sorted out ourselves. So Jesus at this time is, t is talking specifically to the Pharisees, where this time were the religious leaders. To the public knowledge, they had all their ducks in a row. Blameless before the people, yet were the ones with the most obscured view due to their sins that they failed to see they were judging their own Messiah wrongly. That's not what we're meant to be. That's not, that's, the, you see, the moment we isolate ourselves and present a facade of righteousness, we have ultimately lost the plot. How we're meant to do it is that when we point out things, and once again, pointing out is judging, that when we point out things, we do it in private, because once again, we don't want to make a spectacle of anybody. We point out in private, we sit down with the person, we'll be like, we pray with them, and then in turn, ask them to pray for us, because we're all sinners, we all need help, we're all going through things. So on that, on that note, I have judged a lot of people, yeah? I won't lie. There are moments I have judged, but we'll come back to that. So I really do encourage you to find an accountability partner. It's very, very important to have an accountability partner, a person who can speak into you, 
a person you, you can also speak into. Because once again, we're not made to walk this Christian journey alone. We need people who can encourage us, people that, who can speak into our life as well. So if you don't have one, I very much encourage you to please, please, please find an accountability partner. So yeah, that's how I want it. I'd rather someone sit down with me and we actually acknowledge that we both need help, that we both are sinners, than someone who puts up a facade and looks down upon me, down upon me. I wouldn't want that. Romans 2 verse 1, you may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself for you who judge others do these very same things. See, now this is hypocritical. You can't be passing on judgment when you're in the same boat. Does this mean we stop judging? No, it just means we need to stop judging hypocritically. You see, the log in our eyes is still something that we have to sort out. Because once again, judging starts with us. We have to judge ourselves first. You see, we have to allow the word to minister to us before we can minister it to the world. And you see, what happens when we judge ourselves first is that the way we judge changes. Because we become more forgiving because we know how, because we have evaluated and seen that we are in the same state. We become more humble in our approach and more forgiving in our judging. How we approach changes because we know how it feels to be in a similar position and how vulnerable we are when we, when we are assessing ourselves and ultimately why we judge changes. Because this is important because if we're just judging because it says so, we're no different from the Pharisees who just judged, judged, and judged. Yeah. And you run the risk of being judgmental. Now, once again, I've, I've judged a lot of times and my judging comes a lot when I'm in the gym. Like... Like when I see unfamiliar faces and I see people gymming for the very first time, the stuff they'll be doing, I'll be just very, very confused. Like you see a person on a back workout machine, but they're somehow training their calves. And it's like, what? But then I, but then I gotta remember myself that, wait, I started off there, I was there. Obviously not training calves in a back machine, not that bad, <laughs> but like I was there. And I was fortunate enough that I had like the Ryans and the Enriquez to help me start off on the right track, but that we all start off there. And like we should be careful and we judge. So once again, when I, when I did pick my gym partner, I was also very harsh with my judging of my gym partner, like because I needed someone who's gonna grow with me and we're gonna get strong together and look like hunks. <laughs> <laughs> so, so ultimately, the person who... <laughs> so, ultimately, the person who <laughs> so ultimately the person who won was Ryan, but there were a few, there were a few. Not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. We'll come back to this picture just now. We'll come back to this. So, like I was saying, we did, we did have. There were a few honourable mentions on our on our conquest to find the perfect gym partner, we had Race on my list. And Race was scrapped off because I don't want to wake up at 4.30 a.m. in the morning. That's too early, I need my beauty sleep. <laughs> and then the other person that was on my list was Jason, Uncle Jason Render, and he was scrapped off because personally, I don't want to go to, I don't want to hike every single weekend. <laughs> like, I love nature, but hiking every weekend, it's a bit too much. But yeah, and I feel like I've reaped quite well. Now we can have that picture. 
There it is. And I feel like we've reaped quite well. Like this was, this was like how many years ago? Five years ago? I was, I was grade nine. I was in grade nine and Ryan was in matric. I was 15 and Ryan was 18. So I feel like I've reaped quite well. We've come a long way with the gym. And yeah, we are hunks now. Can, yeah, it can't go away now. It can, we don't need pictures being taken. It can go away now. Like that's a very... <laughs> like that's a very humorous example, but relationships is a place we do have to judge. Because people that can speak into your life, you have to judge. You have to judge them. You have to analyze and evaluate them. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness without law, with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? For a long time, I won't lie, I associated this with eggs and like was yoked. And like, I thought like if people have like half yoked eggs, they knew where they were going because that's not how you're meant to eat an egg. But we move. But obviously this is associated with cows and how they get ready. How they get He's still on the side there, can he? <laughs> but this is a show shade with, like pl- with, with getting the field ready so that you can plant and harvest your crops. So friendship is a massive, massive place where we do need to judge, where we need to analyze and evaluate. Because once again, the people who can speak into your life, you need to evaluate them. You need to make sure that you both, that you all have the same biblical principles. Yeah. That you're all on God's word, that everything that you do, everything that you believe in is, is on God's word. That's why even though I'll be gymming with Ryan constantly, there's a lot of times where we just sit down at the gym and we genuinely just speak to each other, point out things that we might be doing right, things that we might be doing wrong. And I won't lie, we even prayed in the parking lot before, before gym. Like there's a lot of, like he's my accountability partner. He's someone that I allowed to speak into my life and in turn he allows me to speak into his life. Another important relationship that you have to judge is people that you do business with, your business partners. Like you have to analyze and evaluate your business partners. Because if your principles are on God and you're doing everything right, but your business partner's principles are on the world, you're going to be led astray. Like if they all, what they care about is money, 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 you know what's going to happen. Money is the root of all evil. We know that verse. Love, love of money. Money is not evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. But like, we have to be very, very careful. We have to analyze and evaluate all our relationships. And the last one, if you're dating or looking for a wife or looking for a girlfriend, that's also another one where you have to analyze and evaluate. Like, every single time. Like, because if your relationship isn't based on God, if it, God isn't the foundation of it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall apart. And like, every single day, you have to analyze and evaluate and obviously, if you're married too, you also have to analyze and evaluate, but you can't leave your partners. No, 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 no. You can't leave your partners. <laughs> but like you analyze and evaluate and you grow together. Grow together in God. Point out things and whatsoever. So there are many portions of scriptures, once again, that tell us to judge, and I'm just going to go through a few of them. John 7, verse 24. Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. See, Jesus wants us to judge, but not just by appearances, but to actually delve deeper to actually judge right. And we do this by analyzing and evaluating and also asking him to help us discern, help us to see through and make the right decision. First Corinthians 10 verse 15, 
I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. This Apostle Paul writing the letter, telling the church, judge my words. Analyze and evaluate my words. Is what I'm saying actually true? As you're sitting in the congregation this morning, judge my words. Analyze them. Is what I'm saying actually true? And then we go 1 Corinthians 6 verse 5. It says, I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? But instead, one brother takes another to court, and this in front of unbelievers. This is Apostle Paul a bit early in the passage, talking to church members, and like church members have been taking each other to non-believing judges and asking them to judge them. And Paul is like, are you actually serious? Is there none among you that can judge yourselves? How are you taking, your, how are you taking each other to court? In front of unbelieving judges, can you not do this yourself? And the obvious response from the church was like, uh-uh, no. Paul? Uh, Paul? Yeah, Paul. Are we not meant not to judge? The Bible says, do not judge others. And Paul is like, no, you're not meant to judge hypocritically. Even in the Old Testament, Leviticus 19 verse 15 says, do not twist justice in legal matters by favoring the poor or being partial to the rich and powerful. Always judge people fairly. I feel like in this generation, we have honestly lost the ability to judge, even though we're actually called to judge. That's, but that's because of how do not judge others was brought to us. We honestly see judging as this taboo topic, as something that we're never, ever meant to do. And that's not what the Bible's saying. See, A.W. Tozer said this, the great deficiency in the church today is the lack of spiritual discernment, how there can be so much Bible knowledge and so little insight. So little moral penetration is the one of the ministries of the Christian world today. This man died in 1963, and what he's saying holds so much value in the church today. We lack discernment. We lack the ability to actually critically think. And critically think doesn't mean to be constantly criticizing people, constantly condemning people. It means to actually evaluate and come to a right decision, a right choice. John 7 verse 24. Why have we actually lost this ability? Well, I'm going to give you two reasons this morning, church. The first one is the world. We have been beaten by the world and put in a corner. The, word, the world has used our very own word against us, has used the word against us. They'll say, you can't judge, Christians. You can't judge or you'll be judged. And we're like, you know what? That's true, man. You got us there. You got us there. We're being told what Scripture is by the world. When we're meant to know Scripture and be the ones telling Scripture to the world. And the second one is publicly illiterate. But you see, when we judge, we must always judge by the standards of the Bible. When we look at the world, it's always through the lens of the Bible. Because you see, the moment we no longer judge by the Bible standards, we blur the lines between what is the world's right and what is biblically right. I'm going to say that one more time. See, the moment we no longer judge by the Bible standards, we blur the lines between what is the world's right and what is biblically right. You see, when we judge, it's never according to our own personal understanding. It's always according to the Bible. The Bible is fine. What the Bible says is done. That's full stuff, period. Nothing else after that. Things like marriage, money, 
lifestyles, and etc., should never be judged according to the world's standards. It's always according to the Bible. And it's important we know that, never in a condemning attitude. Because once again, the word is very, very sharp. Very, very sharp. Hebrews 4 verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I believe that's also why we're so, so afraid to judge by the Bible standards. Because as much as the Bible is about love, not condemning, there's a lot of cutting that takes place. There's a lot of penetration that takes place. Like it says, the, the word is a sword and it cuts through and that is painful. Because for us to have a fulfilling life in him, some cutting off needs to happen. Yeah. Things that separate us from God need to be cut off. And that is very, very painful. Another important point we have to remember as Christians is that we live by the standard of the Bible, but the world lives by the standard of the world. So once again, they don't see the love behind the passages. They don't see the love behind the scripture. They don't see the love behind that sword. All they see is the sword and the condemnation when we bring the word to them. So our job when dealing with the world is not just, is not just to point out and judge, 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 but to actually bring them to the Lord so that they can experience him and start to relationship with him and ultimately meet the real judge. And in that walk with Christ together, then they, they will be judged properly and then God can work a miracle in them. So as I close off now, we're going to read Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Have you ever read a portion of scripture just like, wow, that's a bit painful, <laughs> hectic. <laughs> like, do not give dogs what is sacred and do not throw your pearls to pigs. See, there are going to be times when people don't respond or take your message. You can have the best in mind, the perfect motive, but people will still reject it. People will still reject those polls. And like, that's why this verse refers to people being pigs. <laughs> because there's a reason why a person living in sin in Christ is equivalent to pigs. Because pigs normally can't see properly when they eat their food. They can't see, they can't see really well. So when they eat food, they just chuck everything in their mouth. And if it's something they can't digest, they will spit it out because that doesn't concern them in the world they live in. Does that mean we avoid this pe these people? No, that's not what it means. We just have to try a different approach. And that different approach is introducing them to Jesus first. Because you've got to understand, the moment we introduce them to Jesus, this changes their worldview. Because if we introduce them to Jesus, this will change their worldview. And in changing their worldview, will change their view on what is actually precious. And those pearls that was, they were spitting out before, they actually understand their value. They actually understand how precious it is. They understand how much the word isn't there to condemn them. The world isn't there to beat them down. That the world isn't there to just cut them off. But it's actually so that they can live a fulfilling life in him. So they can have the life that God planned in advance for them. That Jesus planned in advance for them. And like this morning, I hope that you've been encouraged. That your perspective on judging has changed. The same way my perspective has been changed. And I hope that as we go into our weeks that we apply some of these things, apply it into our lives. Thank you very much.